I'm Carrington Vanston. And I'm Mike McGinnis, and you're listening to another episode of the No Quarter Podcast. Uh, what episode are we actually on now, Carrington? Oh, six, seven, seven maybe? Six whole weeks? Wow. Time flies. When you're having arcade fun. Indeed. So how are you? Oh, <laughs> I hear it from everyone. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what everyone says. But I am awesome. Uh, things things are totally swell in Carrington Land. But hopefully the swelling will go down. And what about you, Mike? Oh, if I'm that's just, your real name. Well, we'll pretend that it is for now. <laughs> I'm just preparing for a long weekend of gorging myself on uh, a bird. Well, a facsimile. How's that? Oh, you don't eat an actual no, turkey. No, I, I don't eat animal flesh. I'm, okay. I'm one of those weirdos. So, not, not even like the 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 flesh of your enemies. Well, I eat the flesh of my enemies. <laughs> okay, that, that's, uh, I don't have any turkeys that are currently enemies of mine. So. That'll, that'll keep our listeners in line. There you go. Fear. Yes. Fear is how we control our listeners. <laughs> that's right. And speaking of our listeners, look at me segue, um, I think we got some feedback, didn't we? Uh, we did. Didn't we? Didn't we, Mike? Admit it, didn't we? <laughs> yes, I, I think we did. Okay. Do you want to start or should I? Sure, I can start. Let, me, right. let me see. What do we get? Uh, we got a few different i'm gonna i'll start with this one this here's what i liked um i think it's pronounced jorge j-o-r-g-e i know a guy named george who spells it that way but i think most people is jorge so i'm gonna call him jorge because he lives in and get the name of this place i like it alamogordo new mexico oh i want to move is there that, isn't that awesome alamogordo it is. um Anyway, Jorge wrote in to say, love the new, he, he, uh, sort of a long email talking about a couple of other podcast things, but then specifically called out uh, our, our podcast saying this. Uh, was it? Love the new arcade podcast. I really like that it's a quick 30 minutes every week, so it's easy to keep up with, but also regular enough too. If you're taking suggestions for games to cover in the future, I might suggest either Tron or Gorf, two of my favorite games. Gorf was the first video game I ever played, and Tron was the one that I probably spent the most quarters on. I can still hear that Tron game music running through my head sometimes even today. And as soon as he said that, I could actually remember the, the Tron music. Sure, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. absolutely. Well, I, it, Gorf definitely. Uh, Tron might be a little bit difficult um, just because of the weird controllers that were on that cabinet. You're going to have to hack together um, weird. You, you made me attach a uh, trackball for, <laughs> for this week. So you'll just get yourself a glowing <laughs> joystick there, mister. Uh, a joystick and a spinner on the same machine. Okay. Yeah, get a joystick <laughs> and a spinner. That's you right. just go and do it. I loved Tron. So I, would I did too, but I, I found that it's difficult to play with a, a standard arcade stick setup. Well, maybe one time we can do uh, figure out some arcade where there is one and go play it live. Well, I can do that, as a matter of fact, because uh, the sure one-up, that, that barcade that we talked mm-hmm. about last week, well, has a very good... I'm going to want to talk to you about how, you, how that went as well. Mm, we'll stick yes, with we'll talk about now. that. Um, but yes, they do have... They, they do have a, a Tron machine there. It's in really nice shape. So if, if we do something like that, it's possible. I, it, for me, it's possible. Now, if it's a problem for you, then I guess I'll just have to laugh at your no score while I... I figured that sentence was going to end but... that way somehow. <laughs> <laughs> it sounded so nice at first. If it's a problem for you. And then, then the true Mike colors came through. <laughs> That's right. Mm-hmm. Flesh of your enemies. Yes. Well, there's also... There's an arcade... Um, like an 80s-based arcade. I think called 1984. About an hour or two away from the site of Kansas Fest. Um, and this year I had intended, when I went down to Kansas Fest, which you often go to as well, I had Indeed. intended to drop in that place, but it wasn't open on the day that I was traveling through. 
So maybe it's something we could do um, maybe like in the summer or something. If we're only an hour away from a, a vintage arcade, we could go check it out and challenge each other to Tron. That would definitely be cool. Now, I, as I recall, the hours were kind of weird. Like they were right during sessions They'll or open something for like us. That, but... We're going to be like famous arcade podcasters by well, now. That's right. We'll just throw our weight They'll around. They'll be lucky to get our quarters. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yes. And if you don't let me in, I'll slander you on my podcast. And what about Gorf? Do you, do you recall Gorf? Uh, I've never played Gorf. Never played Gorf. I've never played Gorf, but I hear it's very popular, and I'm I'm willing to give it a shot. It is, and it is ser- That's a seriously old school game. Okay, I played Gorf um, here in Toronto. There was a, a drive-in movie theater, and that was the first place I was exposed to the game Gorf. So when ah. I think Gorf, I think uh, rundown '70s sort of drive-in. Um, nice, but, but being there in the late '80s, so just like a place that's <laughs> on its last legs. But of course. Yeah, I played Gorf there; totally loved it. Um, okay. So anyway, going back to the feedback, we also sure. got email. Got a few other things. I'm going to call out one in particular. I had on Twitter asked if anybody could give me some tips to do better in Centipede, <laughs> which is a hint that I wasn't doing too well in Centipede. And I got a few people send me DMs and a few people send email. And I'm going to particularly call out Rachel in Vancouver, British Columbia, partly because she's Canadian. Woohoo, go Canadians. And also partly because her email is awesome. So uh, the subject just says C tips, like the letter C. And I, mm-hmm. and I wasn't even sure what she was talking about at first. It took me a while. <laughs> then I realized, oh, it's Centipede tips. I get it. Um, and her email just reads this. Spider, 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 kill the spider, kill it up close and personal. You want more points? Then roll right up to that spider and pop a cap. I am not as street as this email makes me sound. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. That's like didn't even cite it. Just like that blob of text. So- Totally is she, hilarious. Is she just referring to the fact that you get more points for shooting the spider when it's closer to you? That's what, yes, that's what I'm thinking. But ah. it was kind of cryptic. It was yes. like, <laughs> took me a while, Rachel. Um, thanks for listening and for writing in. But it took, did take me a while to figure out oh, <laughs> what you are talking about. So anyway, that's my favorite email we got so far. I just nice. Step right up and that spider and pop a cap. Thanks, Rachel. <laughs> Very hardcore. <laughs> yes. uh, and what about you? I think uh, we got email again from Quinn, our yes, coolest Quinn, listener, right? Quinn is cool and she just can't leave us alone. I'm sure it's all about the bald head of Carrington. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, she writes in, uh, Quinn Dunkey, who uh, identifies herself as our as the chief sarcasm officer, One Girl, One Laptop Productions. Uh, hey, gents, I much enjoyed the honor response to my email and subsequent support from The People, capital P. I laughed, I cried, a good time was had by all. Since Carrington thinks I'm cool, I better go do the coolest thing I can think of. I know. I'll jump this motorcycle over this shark tank. This should make my coolness eternal and never waning. That is hey, true. Is she, is she trying to say that we've already jumped the shark? No, she's trying to say she's going to be cool like Fonzie. Ah, anyway, regarding the to say or not to say issue on the show's next on the next show's game, I, stren- I very strenuously have no opinion. <laughs> Both ways seem fine. Keep up the, pod- the great podcast, and I'm going to tell Todd Fry where you live. Fair warning, he's a pretty terrifying dude. He can walk on walls. True story. See the documentary Once Upon Atari. Shameless plug. I've now decided to pick up a copy of the the Once Upon Atari, partly because of this prompting and partly because somebody else had written something about it. And then I was able to watch a little bit of it on YouTube. There's some samples on YouTube you can check out. And it kind of got me hooked. And now I want to see the whole thing. So I am going to actually grab that. Uh, yeah, me too. I figure anything... Quinn recommends is probably worth seeing twice. So I also like the title, just Once Upon Atari. And I'm yeah. really interested in those early days of Atari. I know it's not really um, arcade-based the way like 
I, I think it's more focused on the, the home arcade things. I think at least that's the sense I got from the little bit of the documentary I saw. But I really like that whole period of Atari and that whole period of, of game development. So I'm quite keen to see it. Excellent. Yeah. You can come back and give us a review. I shall. Yay. So let's talk about Centipede. That's what the people want. That's what the people want, <laughs> right? right? Let's give the people what they want. Yes, they don't want to hear us. We're boring. <laughs> no, they want to hear Centipede. Um, so do you want to talk about it? Shall I talk about it? What, what uh, do the people want to know about Centipede? Well, I'm sure the first thing they want to know is how well Carrington did. <laughs> oh, we're going to jump to the score. You only oh, yes. want to do that because you know Carrington did poorly. <laughs> Well, I, I I don't know that I did any better than you this time. So okay. Well, I got um, an embarrassingly low total of eighty nine thousand and twenty one. Eight nine oh two one was my high score. Um, got a few scores in that sort of range, but I couldn't even hit a hundred thousand. So I'm like m- an order of magnitude lower than most people's scores. <laughs> Terrible. Well, that's okay. You can still gloat then. Oh, can I really? Oh yes, by, by quite a bit. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, that was my gloating. <laughs> yes, I understand. My high score was 18,165. Oh, Holy cow, dude. Yeah, I, I thought you were going to destroy me at this game. I, I did too. I, the trackball kicked my butt. Um, and, and this is a, a case where, you know, because I don't have a trackball in the iCade, I had to switch over to my PC. I have a X-Arcade trackball. Oh, nice, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really well made. I, I love it a lot. I just, I never, I never really use that. Uh, so it was nice to to switch over to the PC and, and play Mame on that, um, but uh, yeah, for for whatever reason, I just didn't do very well on this one. And and but you like the X Arcade? Oh yeah, I would definitely recommend them. I I, I bought their uh, the 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 dual the the two joystick version nice. way back when, um, and then I bought uh, the trackball a few years back. Now the trackball, I guess, has been discontinued as a standalone unit. Uh, but you can pick them up, I guess, pretty cheaply on eBay. Or if you want to, X, X Gaming now makes the Tank Stick, which has it's a dual joystick and it has the trackball in the middle. It's this massive, massive contraption, which looks totally awesome. Yeah, it is. It's really big though, and, and I guess one of the reasons that I don't do more arcade gaming on my on my PC is because even the the dual joystick takes up so much space on the desk. I have to rearrange everything. Um, but what is kind of cool about it that I can't do on the iPad, um, is I can crank up, uh, the arcade ambience MP3 in the background nice. while I'm playing these games and sort of get a little sense that I might be in, in an arcade. Obviously it's not the real thing or anything, but it's, it's kind of cool to do that. Uh, which reminds me, um, I, I was promised... about to say Andy Hoffel. <laughs> yes. Well, do you want to talk about Andy? No, you talk about it. Talk oh, about Andy. Was... Andy's awesome. I was just going to say, uh, Andy Hoffel created the Arcade Ambience project. There are, I think, four, maybe five MP3s of uh, sounds that he recorded in an actual arcade and mixed. Um, and they're based, the different MP3s are based on the years of the games that you can hear in them, which is even cooler. Um, and that's the sound that you hear when we start the podcast. That's the first thing you hear is a clip from one of his Arcade Ambience uh, files, and I promised him that we would mention him. So, Andy, thank you very much for letting us use that. Absolutely. And on the site, on if you go to monsterfeed.com slash no quarter, our official page for this on the Monsterfeed site, it has a link to it as well. So it uh, says Theme Sounds Arcade Ambience Project, and from there you can hop over and download them for yourself. And you're right, there are five different versions, and we're using the 1981 edition. We went oldest of old school. Yes, and probably when we play later games, we'll switch over to... Will we? 
the will new we one. Really? Yeah. Well, maybe not. But will will we want to do that? But forget. <laughs> Probably not. But uh, yeah, the, the the cool thing is you can download the download these, and they're they're absolutely free. That is cool. Yep. So on with the show. Oh, and um, just to make you feel a little bit bad, the uh, well, I can't let you get away with completely gloating. Uh, the official high score for this game uh, was set by Jim Schneider uh, on the marathon settings, and he racked up 16,389,547 points. <laughs> See, that's what I'm talking about. He had three <laughs> full digits more than my score. This was set October, uh, I'm sorry, August 1st, 1984. Donald Hayes, meanwhile, holds the official record for the game on tournament settings with a mere 7,000,000 111,111 points on November 5th, 2000. So I don't understand the difference. What do you mean by uh, marathon and tournament versions? Well, I, I guess there are, this is one of those, this is one of the many games, I guess, that has different dip switch settings that the arcade operator can set to affect how the game is scored and played. Uh, I'm not sure specifically what, what these mean for centipede and in fact i'm sure that some of our listeners who are smarter than we are will write in and gloat and let us know exactly how wrong we were not just some all of our listeners well, i would i would expect nothing less are smarter than us and all of them will write in and all of them will gloat the centipede multiplies and divides and comes at the you every side faster and faster roll by roll he slides through the rocks So, Mike, mm-hmm. teach me. Teach me your wily ways <laughs> and how you got to that amazing score of 18,000 to change. Tell me about the I'm... gameplay of Centipede. The little of it you saw. <laughs> is, is this is this one of these, these learned by experiences in learning what to avoid when we're playing this game? Absolutely it is. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, Centipede is a one- or two-player game with a color raster scan monitor, and I'm reading here from the, the main history, uh, dot dat file. There's quite an extensive write-up. Um, Read to me, Mike. Read me a story yeah. about Centipede. <laughs> so you can go to sleep, yes. <laughs> uh, the fast-moving game action takes place on a playfield filled with mushrooms and, a, and includes a variety of insects that drop down from the top of the screen or enter from the sides of the screen, most of them to attack the bug blaster that's you the bug blaster is represented on the screen by a somewhat humanoid head okay the object of the game is to shoot and destroy as many of these insects and mushrooms as possible for a high point score before the player's lives are used up Uh, again this is a trackball game so you don't have a joystick you roll the ball back and forth and your your um, bug blaster correspond the movements correspond uh, and you have a single fire button, um, which you can simply hold down, and it will it will auto fire. And I think this was the first. I mean, we've only seven episodes in, but I think this is our first auto fire episode, right? Because Sinistar mm, didn't have that. Yeah, I think you may be right on that one. Mm-hmm. Oh, I might be right. <laughs> uh, so yeah, yeah, and and so it's. I mean, it's pretty simple. You're you're down at the bottom of the screen. I think you're down at like the lower twenty percent or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't move above that. And these little centipedes, the centipede that's made up of a bunch of little pieces, 
uh, begins to make its way down the screen back and forth, and it bounces off the mushrooms and switches direction and drops down another level. And your object here is to shoot this thing before all the pieces get down to the bottom and run into you and destroy you. Now, as you shoot the centipede, if you hit it in the middle, it will break into two parts, and now you've got two pieces, and, and the more you shoot it, the more it breaks apart and the harder it gets. And when it gets down to the last little piece, then it's, it moves really quickly. Um, and while this is going on, you have a, a spider that flies in in the lower portion of the screen down in your area in sort of a zigzag pattern aimed to destroy you by running into you. <clears throat> and uh, there's also a... I'm not sure what that thing was that... There's a thing that, that drops straight down the middle of the screen and lays mushrooms. Uh, it's a, a flea. Ah, it's a flea. The flea lays a, a path of mushrooms. Uh, in a vertical column, which doesn't seem like it would be a big deal, except that what this does is it it makes the because the centipede changes direction and drops down every time it hits one. It, you can end up in a situation where the centipede is suddenly right at the bottom of the screen. Cause right, and those it, mushrooms. If you have a lot of mushrooms, it can really facilitate that centipede coming down at you quickly. Right. Yeah. So, the, so the trick is to clear out as many of those as you can as soon as possible. And I wasn't very good at that. And I think that that's kind of what killed me. Uh, there's also a scorpion uh, that enters from the side and goes back and forth. Um, he doesn't move too quickly, and I think you get a thousand points for shooting him. And he makes poisonous mushrooms. Like that's ah, what's going on with the scorpion. Gotcha. So um, this obviously was a. A standard upright arcade cabinet in most cases. I think they're. I think they also made the cocktail um, version. Yeah, I have played that, so there was a okay. cocktail one. Um, and there was a later game called Millipede, uh, which was sort of an expansion of Centipede and converting from Centipede to Millipede. I guess is a very easy thing to do. Um, Just add legs, pretty much. Yeah. Um, and so, what kind of um, chips and stuff did it run on? The, the main CPU was a, an M6502 chip running at 1.512 megahertz. And the sound chip was something called the Pokey, P-O-K-E-Y, also at 1.512 megahertz. I know the Pokey. Ah. That's the port keyboard inter, integrated circuit. That's, a, that's an Atari chip. I see. Well, that would make sense then, since it's an Atari game. Um, the monitor was a standard 19-inch color raster that you found in most arcade games of the day. Uh, it was a 240 by 256 pixels. The screen refresh. Well, we don't care about that. And <laughs> it <don't>. had. <laughs> it was an eight-color palette. That's um, it. Yep. Eight, just eight colors. The upright model. Wow, it really felt like it had more colors than that. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the upright model was released in June of 1981, um, and 46,062 units were produced. And this was our uh, Atari's second best-selling coin-op game of all time. Oh wait, what was number one? It doesn't say. Oh, what do you think yeah. was number one? Um, I'm not that familiar with Atari's games, yeah. so I don't know. I bet you it's Asteroids, because that's Atari. Came out before this, I think, and Maybe. was had a long run. That's my guess. My guess is going to someone will write it and tell us, but my guess is going to be Asteroids. This was the first coin-op game designed by a woman named Donna Bailey. I know. Um, I read a whole bunch of stuff about her. Okay. So Why don't you uh, inform me, Carrie? Well, okay, I will inform you. Yes, so she was one of the first um, woman game programmers and uh, was the only person working at Atari at the time she was there, and she was only in her 20s. And I read a really interesting interview with her in a Vancouver um, a newspaper. I called it the Vancouver Desi. And so she was a programmer, I guess, at, at General Motors in the in the late 70s. And... She was out 
and heard this song called Space Invader by the Pretenders. And this was 1980 this happened. And she really liked the song. So she was telling a friend of hers at work that she would like the song. And he got all excited because he was saying how he really hooked on this game called Space Invaders. That she had never heard of it before. She had no idea at all about what arcade games were. So mm. at lunch, he took her over to see, to this bar that they had a Space Invaders game. And she played Space Invaders. He gave her a quarter. She put it in, played. And she lost she said she lost all of her lives before she even figured out what she was supposed to do, like to move, <laughs> to shoot, like just everything died and she just sort of watched it happen. But she was really intrigued by it. Uh, I want to talk about that in a second, that, that idea of not knowing what to do, which is interesting. But anyway, um, because of that, she got really intrigued and she was already, a, uh, like I said, a computer programmer at General Motors and she was really familiar with uh, Motorola chips and that kind of stuff and they were using those over at Atari. And so she asked around, found out about Atari, it sounded interesting, applied and got a job there. So, And like I said, she was the only female and they had this binder, I guess, of 30 or so arcade game ideas to say, hey, let's work on this. And I guess the culture there at the time was a lot of a lot of individuals and a lot of individualism and a lot of partying and a lot of drugs, according to Queen Lucky. But, um, <laughs> but, but this idea that they say, hey, go make this game, we'll see you in six months. And you had to be really sort of self-reliant and self-motivating to get that done in this sort of partying kind of atmosphere. But so she was looking through the binder of ideas and all of them were violent shooting games. Just like the guy that made Pac-Man was talking about how it was sort of, I want to do a game that's going to appeal to a different audience than is right. just a space shooter. And so this one where it described there would be a multi-segment centipede of some sort, an insect, a bug, coming down at the, the, at the player below. And she said it didn't really talk about the shooting, but it was kind of implied. Well, I guess what you do if a bug's coming at you, you shoot it. What else are you going to do? And she said everything else was too violent. And this one seemed kind of okay because you're just shooting a bug and it didn't seem that wrong to shoot a bug. <laughs> so she decided she wanted to work on that one. Um, anyway, sounds like a really interesting gal. And, and it, was a, it was a really interesting interview. And what really struck me, like, like I said before, was this idea that in, like, in 1980 – Somebody could be in a position where they're in, they're a computer programmer. So they're like, they're a technology person. They, they actually do that for a living. And they can walk up to an arcade game and it's a completely unfamiliar experience. And you're looking at this joystick, you don't even get the concept. And it's funny how that idea that you'd have a joystick is something. You know, five-year-old kids now nowadays, because you you have console games at home. Your kids are going to have Nintendos and, and Xboxes and Playstations and that kind of stuff. And the idea that you wouldn't get what's going on with a joystick and that you control an avatar on screen and press a button to shoot. And it was, you, you forget that that at one point was a foreign idea. And that's why these games a lot of times had to have such crazily simple controls. Because we didn't yet have the, the language of arcade games. Um, so I just, I, it sort of really struck me how it's funny how far removed we are from that position, position nowadays. So yeah. anyway, in, interesting gal. So it was her and, a, and another fellow, um, uh, Ed Log, who are the, the sort of the designers of this game. And, and he actually was the, one of the guys behind, um, behind uh, Asteroids as well. And Gauntlet, okay. I think. So good, good designers on this. And this was the only game she designed. And then she worked on another one, but it never got released. And that's hmm. it. One hit wonder, but what a hit. Yeah, definitely. Um, as far as ports, this thing was ported to pretty much every computing platform ever thought of. Oh, yes. Um, I'm not going to sit and read every Name single one of these. Name them all in alphabetical yeah, order. Yeah, exactly. According if, to if, number of color palettes. <laughs> yeah, if there was a console, this thing, this game appeared on it. If there was a computer, you can play it on it, all, including uh, all the way up to now. Um, Atari.com 
uh, has a Flash-based version of this game. It looks like there's two of them because one, I saw one earlier. Um, I was playing one earlier tonight that looked like basically it was a, a bit-for-bit copy of the original. Um, and then they have another one that's Flash-based that... Again, this is one of these games that, you know, why did why did they update it like this? But mm-hmm. at least it's free. You're a little elf at the bottom of the screen, and there's an update. It's updated. The play, the gameplay is the same. You know, you're shooting the centipede as it moves down. There's a scorpion, the, the flea, and the spider, and all that. But the graphics and the sound have been up, updated, um, which I guess if you wanted to check it out, you can. Um, I played that one for about five seconds and then went back to the other version. <laughs> I was say, you can check it if you can, he says disdainfully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't understand sometimes when people will monkey with the with the games, but... Yep, me either. Uh, but they did. So, um, and if you don't have a copy of the MAME uh, history dat file and you're interested, I, I highly suggest checking that out because there's a ton of information about this game just in that one entry, um, including playing tips and things that may have may, that may have helped Carrington out when he was crying for tips because he was afraid he might lose to me. I did have a bunch of people send um, me tips of what to shoot and how to play and that oh, kind of see, stuff. And that's what happened. Here. Oh, yes. Let's I had see. the people behind me, Mike. I had uh, the people behind me. Ladies and gentlemen, don't help Carrington. They ever propped again. me up, baby. If you ever want another podcast. <laughs> Mike like, is once again walking right. off the I'm show. Going to, I'm going to extort you. So, okay, of the of the various ports, like you said, it was, it was ported. I can't think of a a single thing that plays games that doesn't have both an official centipede and many knockoffs. Like every every phone, every home console system, every computer system, everything. Of those, not counting the arcade machine, do you have a particular favorite? Was there ever one that you really liked? Uh, no, I, I I'm not a I'm not a big port player or drinker. <laughs> well. That's a different story. No, um, I, I'm not a big port player. I don't. I generally don't. I, you know, I, I figure the original. The original is great, and it's great for a reason. And I, I understand. You know, back in the '80s, the desire to play this on your home system, so you had your, your Atari 2600s and that sort of thing. But I never had one of those. Um, and playing it on Windows today, like I said, the the Flash port on their web page is just kind of crappy, and it's not of any interest in, to me. So. And MAME can really, really spoil for, for that kind of stuff. Yeah. MAME just, it plays it so well and you really get the arcade experience. Yeah. It, it does feel like slumming it a bit when you play something else. Although I always liked the um, uh, Aperion, it's called, by Ambrosia Software. They made a Mac version. And what I liked about it was the gameplay was essentially identical, but they added in lots of fun sounds and samples and stuff. So it really made it like extra frantic and kind of extra hilarious. So I always liked the Ambrosia version. It's one of the few sort of computer ports of a classic game that I really, really liked. Hmm. So that's what I enjoyed way back in the day. Like that's a game I used to play in the 90s and stuff. I, I think it was five or six years ago. I think it was ported over to Mac OS X. But um, I remember it as an, an earlier Mac game, and I, and, I, and I really dug it. I think one of the reasons that this one especially didn't have any appeal to me uh, as, as a port uh, was unless, you know, it was meant to be played with that trackball. And, mm-hmm. and switching over to a keyboard control or the joystick or even a trackpad or something on, an, on a, a laptop is just not the same experience. That's true. You know, I, in, in the 90s, quite often I would have a trackball hooked up to my computer. So I wonder if I was using that, but I don't recall. Hmm. You'd think I would know, but I didn't. You'd think you would. <laughs> I think I would. You know what I do know? 
What's but th- that? This game was ported to a comic book. Did you know that? Uh, I did <laughs> did not. You? I yep. did not. Back in 1983, DC put out a comic book, and I tracked down a copy online and I read it, and it's really bad. Of course. Holy cow. Of course so, it is. And, and you reminded me of it when you were talking about this elf, the idea of the because in the comic book it's start, it, it's an elf and the elf is friends with the spider and the centipede and the flea and but then there's this evil wizard who tricks all the rest of the elf village to go away and then tricks it like it sort of enchants the spider and the centipede to be mean and attack the elf and the elf has to zap it, it, anyway it was it was awful it was wow. really terrible but DC put out a centipede comic. Wow, that's that just sounds awful. But what's not awful was also in 1983, Milton Bradley had a board game version of Centipede, and it's actually oh. really good. And and you've played this game? I have played this game way way back. I don't think I played it in '83 or anything, but I did play it quite a few years ago, and it's actually a really good game. You wouldn't think a board game version of this would be good. It's a two player game. Comes with a like a fold out board. How can I describe it? Like, and there's sort of a, a snake trail that zigzags back and forth from one end of the board to the other. And so, the path of the centipede. Yeah, and so and that's it exactly. And so each player, there's two players, gets a centipede made of these little plastic uh, circles that clip together. And so you've got a snake, and you start at one end, and the opponent starts at the other end, and the, and the first person to reach all the way through the snake board to the opponent's side is the winner. And you also get a gun that's positioned at either, like you get one gun at your end and the other player gets a gun at their end and you have a spinner. And when you, and when your spinner lands on the gun, you can move your gun one space left or right. And you actually like shoot up the board and you can <laughs> zap bits of the other player's centipede, which turn over and, and, and you get mushrooms that you put on the board. And when your mushroom, when your centipede hits the mushroom, you take a, like a, a hop down and makes a shortcut. So it's just like sort of in the game. It, it kind of is a, a real life move pieces version of centipede, but done head to head. Um, and it makes it really fun. And it's funny that there was never, to my knowledge, a, uh, a head to head version of centipede like this, but the gameplay is actually really fun in the board game. I, I don't know how rare it is to come across, but um, I think people hmm. who enjoy old style, like eighties board games, um, it's definitely one to pick up. It's actually a really fun game. At least that's how I remember it. Yeah. It sounds like it could be fun. And, yeah. and the experience I, I imagine will, would be enhanced if you played, if you played uh, the Buckner and Garcia "Ode to a Centipede" song in the background while you played, uh, how could you play it any other way? Absolutely. Yes, yes, folks, and the arcade is... ambience playing as well, and you That's get the right. full Mike and Carrington experience. <laughs> well, you definitely have to play this podcast while you're playing the game. Well, I would assume so. Yes. All the episodes at once. Yes, the song was. <laughs> this this game was good enough, or perhaps bad enough, to make it onto the Pac-Man Fever album uh, as "Ode to a Centipede." Uh, I wonder when we'll get to the point where we've only got one of those left. It'll be like the last song. Uh, it can't come soon enough. <laughs> I hate that album. I hate it. I, hate it. I tried to like it. I did. I just can't stand it. I like it. I know you do. I like it. Yeah. You know what else I like, Mike? What's that, I like Carrington? more video games. Of I course. Want you, I want you to pick a new video game for, for you me, me and you and our listeners to to, to play for next week. You want, want me to pick a new video game, huh? I do. All right, well, we'll go with another popular one. Um, and we'll just burn through all these, and then we'll go to the crappy ones later on. Um, <clears throat> how about Dig Dug? Dig Dug? Yeah. Uh, shall we play a sample? Sure. Let's do it. Here's, folks, here's what Dig Dug sounds like. <laughs> just leave that in, please. Please that's, just leave that that's in That's not really what Dig Dug sounds like. <laughs> 
So that is the sound of Dig Dug. Tell me, Mike, why have you picked the Dig and the Dug? Dig Dug was another one of my favorite games. It was one of the ones that I played at that skate city uh, where I discovered uh, Frogger and Donkey Kong and Pac-Man. So is this just a desperate attempt for you to get the higher score next week? Oh, yes. yes okay. absolutely. I intend to smash you. So as long as, as, long as your motivation is clear, there we go. <laughs> well, the only reason I do this is to beat you. Well, I will tell you that I think... I haven't played Dig Dug, the arcade version, since I played it in the 80s. Woohoo! And I've, I've played, like, home versions and that kind of stuff, and I was never mm-hmm. really hooked on any of those, but I don't think I've played what will be, like, the main experience. I don't think I've had that since 82 or 83 or whenever Dig Dug was out. So, I'm at a distinct disadvantage, me and my little hose of inflation. That doesn't seem to have affected you so far. So. <laughs> oh, no. Because the people, the people will rally to me on Twitter oh, no. and give me I will, I, will, I will take this podcast and pack it away and go home. <laughs> rally, people. Rally. <laughs> well, awesome. I look forward to playing Dig Dug. And as Holy Mindless suggested last week, I think we should have ourselves a little competition or something. So if you play sure. Dig Dug this next week with us, my my eager listeners, well, Mike's eager listeners too, but mostly mine. So if you play <laughs> Dig Dug, why not uh, write in and let us know your score, let us know your tips and that kind of stuff. And I will see if I can dig us up some sort of prize for not necessarily high score because that's kind of cheating. You can write anything, but maybe we'll just do a random draw. So if you feel free to write in, give us your score Ooh, like or a tip yeah. or anything, and we will pull one randomly. I will get some sort of prize, not promising anything massive, but I bet you I can get a sponsor to dig up something cool for you. And uh, we will give it away on the next episode or maybe the one after because we record after. We'll figure it out. Anyway, play Dig Dug and tell us how you did. And then maybe you can get something fun. How's cool. that for a vague contest? <laughs> I love it. I love it too. Excellent. Well, thank you for podcasting with me, Mike. Thank you, Carrington. Thank you to everyone who wrote into us and who mm-hmm. listens. And we will see y'all next week. Have a good one, everybody. Bye. You've been listening to No Quarter, the classic arcade podcast. Feedback can be sent to no quarter at monsterfeet.com. And like all Monster Feet podcasts, all the original material in this show is released to the public domain. <laughs>